Hello and welcome to episode 228 of Rugger Matrix International. I'm your host, Juro Sen, and this is my co-host, Ben Kimber. Juro, how are you, buddy? Very good. Good to see you again. And to all our friends in New Zealand, uh, we wish you the very best. Please stay safe in the wake of another earthquake. Hopefully uh, you're okay where you are in New Zealand. Absolutely. All right. So lots of games of the weekend in international rugby. A couple of upsets in the fringes, but all the big games, Ben, pretty much went how we expected. Now, the strike issue of the week, I would have thought it was pretty obvious to me, but you've got another tack. What is Ben Kimber's strike issue of the week? The strike issue of the week, Juro, I, uh, I had a bit of a look. There was plenty on the weekend, as you know. Um, tight Aussie-Scotland game, uh, All Blacks smashed Italy. It's got to be box England, and I think the strike issue of the week is really a discussion on how good are England or how bad are the box. <laughs> All right, well, how good is England? Because they had a comfortable win, but the box weren't that great, were they? So it's a, I think it's a bit hard to judge England as they were, but remember, they've had a horrible run of injuries heading into this series. Yeah, they had probably five or six guys that Eddie Jones would have liked to have had right there in the mix. Um, they have had a pretty good run this year, though, in general, and Eddie Jones making it a perfect 10 out of 10. Uh, big moment for him, uh, particularly for the England side. They haven't had a great lot of success against South Africa, so to get that one up, I'm sure they liked it. Um, not really surprising from what we thought going in. We thought it might be a bit tighter, but really England, after a first sort of 10 minutes where the South Africans showed a bit of fight, and they came back a little bit later, but really this England side were on top most of the time. All right, what did you like about it? I'll tell you what I loved. Youngs, he was just an absolute handful around the ruck, wasn't he? He would, he set up a couple of easy tries there with South Africa's defence. And I've often said, and we all know defence is about attitude and vice versa, and they really struggled in that department. But England have an absolute colossus in Vinopola. Uh, you know, Billy is just unstoppable. And uh, for me, to me, he was their man of the match because he was just, he was chaos everywhere. Yeah. Massive, massive man. I wish the Wallabies had a guy like They're him. They're looking for a guy, aren't they? Yeah. Tamani's having a crack, but geez, Vunapola's good. You know, Launchbury went well. Vunapola went well. Uh, but the other one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, but, but really what I thought was we saw a game where we had a, a side which looked really well coached against a side which didn't. I'm going to hang this one on the coaches. As much as you know, we talk about the players and you know, how well they go and how well they don't, this looked like a, two teams where one coach has his team firing and the other coach is struggling. Now, South Africa have already punted one defensive coach this year. They might have to punt, punt another after that turgid display in defence. That was really quite poor. Yeah, it was. And, and the best example of that, of, of that was what, what Youngs did. Like, you can't let a guy like that who's cheeking in a good player get away and run free and you know that uh, it does hurt the coach in that regard but the systems that set up because defense doesn't live on its own does it Ben? I mean in defense and attack the, the, the sort of ecosystem that moves together this is what the All Blacks have done well over the years haven't they and, and Eddie's, Eddie's working on it I think this is a great win for Eddie considering you know the big question and it's a good point you raise you know how good are England and, and they did knock off a South African team that uh, you know, on their day can perform, clearly not nowhere near their best at the moment. But England still, on, on the back of some injuries and uh, that would have set them back, and obviously not playing Test Rugby for some time, still got the win. And I think another year out from meeting the All Blacks, you know, look out. 
Yeah, and I think there's, there's a couple of spots in the game that I want to call out that really yeah. backs this up. And you made the point there that England came in here cold. They hadn't played since they took on the Wallabies in Australia, so you'd expect them to be a bit rusty. But the reason I want to talk about the coaches and the bringing them in now, Eddie Jones cops a lot of flack about being too structured. In Australia, some people have hung you know, the downside in the Wallabies the last few years around Eddie's neck and said the millstone of Australian rugby is they're far too structured and it's Eddie's fault. Now, I think that's, you know, over-egging it. I don't think that's right. But I tell you what, Alistair Coetzee in the box would have loved to have had a little bit of the structure that Eddie Jones had in that England side. The first 10 minutes of the game, in the sixth minute, the, the, the box have got some, some nice ball. Uh, they're just inside or just outside the England half. Lambie's got the ball. And they've got a set-up play. And I could not work out what was going on. They had... The centres were standing either side of Lambie on one side of the park. They had the wing and the fullback on the other side, and fair dinkum, they were 30 metres apart. And then Lambie got charged down anyway. And it just looked terrible. They didn't know where they were or what they were supposed to be doing. Roll ahead five minutes on the tape and you get the 11th minute. England set piece. Cole, the tight head, steals the ball. They get a penalty, kick it downfield, line out, and then just a beautifully structured backline play that just went straight past with Johnny May over in the corner for England's yeah. try. Yeah. Now... They're, all the talk around Youngs as two dummies on Peter Steph to toy, I think, are accurate. But this um, this Springbok side, have a look at that try, Johnny May's first try. And when they go and look at the shot behind, you'll see uh, Steph to toy, who's wearing the seven. You know, in, a, in South Africa, that means he plays more like a six. But have a look at how slow he is to get across the park. He's a big man. It was a terrible back row selection. Terrible back row selection. Their back row was ponderous with Steph Detoy in there. So you see him coming across and he is just so, so slow. South Africa Player of the Year, but I don't think they did that on tackles. <laughs> so given uh, how you've just absolutely hammered them, you would have to say that if you add all that up, you're saying, and I'm reading between the lines here, if you can, that uh, England didn't really win it. South Africa lost it. I'm not saying that, but I haven't finished hammering South Africa either. <laughs> There's a couple other points, and I think we've got some picks to show on that yeah. as well. Um, particularly now, Youngs, we talked about, a lot of the talk was the dummies that he threw and Steph Detoy fell for them both times, and that's accurate. But the first one, I think, was about the 43rd minute. And there's a couple of things I want to point out, and we're going to show you pick number one with this one. Uh, Youngs picks up the ball. Strauss is at the back of the ruck defending. Cole, the England tighthead, is having a little lazy moment blocking Strauss. Now, I don't think that was really... Yeah, formative in the try. It certainly didn't help that Strauss couldn't step across. But in the picture that we show, look at Steph Toy. He's standing a good 15 metres away. He's walking. He's upright. He's not running to close the gap. He is strolling across to close the gap to be the first defender off the ruck. So Youngs comes out. Uh, Strauss gets a little blocked by Cole. And Youngs throws a dummy, but he was through anyway. Steph Toy just didn't close the gap at all. And the reason I, I, I highlight that is that the defence was already poor. Youngs, great vision, took it on. But the other guy that I want to just point out here is Cole. Because if you roll the tape forward five minutes and we'll show you pick number two here. Cole was like the Laurel and Hardy of rugby defenders. He, he falls over at the back of the ruck. He stands up, he gets in the way. Penalty's going to England anyway. But it, it, I want to keep an eye on this guy because he is the, the king of lazy runners for me right now. And he got right in there and upset the South African defence. All right. Anything else? Do you want to have a breather? I'll have a breather. <laughs> Yeah, well, South Africa, um, like I've said many times, I believe they've got the talent. They do look rudderless at the moment. And uh, and as we said before, defence is a great indicator of that. And the defence has been horrible, terrible. And uh, they need to get it sorted. If they continue to play like this on the tour, what happens coaching-wise? Should there be a change by the time Super Rugby rolls around next year? I think the pressure has got to mount on Coetzee. 
Like, uh, we talked about um, how good are England, how bad are the box. England were in great nick for a first test. You know, how good they will be for the rest of their campaign, we'll see. But for a first test, excellent. And as I said, the structure had a lot to do with that. Now, the South African team, on paper, I didn't mind. Back row aside, which I thought the balance was right out, but on paper, I didn't mind. I thought the back line was pretty good. You'd rather have had Habana in there, maybe for Combrink on the wing. Mm. Um, but really, that the, the tight five until Etzebeth got injured, um, I liked the look of it. But they just, their minds weren't right. The structure wasn't there. They had a pretty good scrum, but they just weren't playing the game with the court with the kind of rigour you'd like to see out of a South African side. Yeah, look, you're saying what, uh, what I've been saying all along. They have the players. They have the talent for some reason that the different ways that they play in the provinces can't be brought together in a meaningful and a competitive way at test level. And that's a huge problem. I know in South Africa they are wrestling with it big time and it's, it's going to come to an head. And I think maybe if they just get through the end of the tour, they just have to make a decision come Super Rugby season next year. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's sad to me to see South Africa playing this poorly and giving up results. But I do like it when England performs well because it, it's a, they're the big guns in the game and they, they deserve their place in the world structure because of Eddie Jones's coaching and the fact that he's using his awesome players to the great effect. Yeah, and, and the big call out of this too, I said, we said Eddie has got them traveling well, they've got a few more games, but as a couple of people pointed out on our comments, uh, England, could possibly go for the All Blacks world record without having to play New Zealand, <laughs> yeah. right? They've had a couple more this year, and then they could go through the Six Nations, and the final game of the Six Nations against Ireland, which is their last game, would be their 19th win if they could keep it together. They got 10. So another another eight before the final game of the, of the Six Nations, and they could be looking for a world record. Now, I think that is premature talk, and I'm sure Eddie Jones would hose it down, right. but it is a possibility. And it's, and it's quite sobering to think, you know what, they're in good nick. They are definitely the number two team in the world. And they've got another bunch of games to get to the world record without having to play the number one side. Oh, I could imagine that. <laughs> I just could imagine the chat about <laughs> England getting the record and not playing against the All Blacks. And then the All Blacks have to play Australia and South Africa regularly. That's the other thing too. So you really have to draw it out. Okay. How even is this for the world record? But, yeah, you got to play who you play. So Long way anyway, to go, though. Long yeah, way to go. So, uh, well done to my old mate, Eddie Jones. Uh, he's, uh, he's really uh, continued on. And as I say, uh, since he had his stroke, uh, he's, uh, he's mellowed a little bit, but hasn't dented at all his coaching ability. Well, they cut to the crowd, mate. He's just got that fierce look on his face the whole time. You there's know a little bit of stink on you know, There's too. a lot of stink going on in his head. He hasn't got the checker throwing the arms around, but you know he's fired up. Yeah, so anyway, South Africa uh, losing that test in a big way. So Australia, let's just go to them quickly before we go to the All Blacks, because I've got a big thing to talk about the All Blacks shortly. But let's go to Australia now, because uh, um, I told you last week, look out for Scotland. They should have won the game. But credit to Australia, and I don't want to bag Australia. A lot of people have said, yeah, poor effort by Australia. I'm going to say the other way. I thought Scotland were fantastic, deserved to win. Australia did well to just get back and win the game. Yeah, look, uh, I read it a little differently to you. I know you're a big fan of the Scots, and I was surprised at the game they brought. They did play a, a really uh, solid game of rugby. They got some good pace in there. They hit it up well. They moved it around. Um, some nice movement of the ball. Some of their set plays, the first try off set play yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, there was. That Hugh Jones, a nice step, and I think Hogg played well from the back. 
Um, they had a few good players in there. Love the Grey brothers, those big boys in the second row. Really solid players. And Barclay on the side for Scotland also. Makes it easier to call as a commentator. You just say Grey. Yeah, Take yeah, the yeah. Punt. <laughs> um, but, but nonetheless, Australia had... And this has probably you know, been the problem with Australia is that consistency. They can turn it on, they can get it right. But this year with the finish, and they've called it themselves, they've talked about getting nervous in that 22. And it, and it seemed to be a big part of this game. Like I counted, I think I lost count, at around six or seven times where Australia dropped the ball inside the 22. Now we know that the previous week against Wales, they smacked Wales. But they, even that game, we know they left a lot out in the park. They didn't convert all their points. I think they should have been comfortable 12 to 15 point winners over this Scotland side. And Scotland played good rugby, stayed in the game. But I, I think the Wallabies should have been a class above and their own faults kept Scotland in the game a bit. The end of the game. I, I can't believe that Will Skelton, I can believe it, but Will Skelton almost single-handedly destroyed the game for Australia with that late charge over the ruck, you know, trying to clean out no, with no arms. And I think justifiably got... Uh, sin binned or yellow carded but then when he came back on for the last couple of minutes Ben he was just as loose and very nearly you know a few times got over aggressive at the breakdown as well you know just slapping a few of the players around from the opposition very close um, none of it deserved a penalty but you don't want to even go close to it and to check his credit he called him out for it and he should have done that and that's, that's something Checker does really well, actually. He, he will call out the players and he'll give them praise or he'll give them criticism in equal measure after a game because you can tell he's an honest and straightforward kind of guy with that kind of stuff. Silly, silly move by Skelton. The game on the line, they're coming down. They had a penalty. It was after the whistle. He's dived they across. Were five metres out or something? Yeah. And I think Paul Cully uh, in Stuff made a really good point about this, saying that, that, that Skelton looks like he's been told to be the hard man. And, he, and he's not... I don't think he's naturally that aggressive one. I'd agree with Cully on that. And I think... You know, he's actually a really nice ball-playing big man, whereas trying to be the enforcer doesn't seem to sit with him that well. Yeah. You know what he should be? He's like this big Anton Leonard Brown. For the f <laughs> Seriously, because if you look at um, the All Black Centre does, yeah. he, he just sets everything up well, beautifully. I'd, take, I'd just take the, the, the big Retallick, right? Because <laughs> Retallick came back in the All Blacks game and already showed he, yeah. he handles the ball in we'll the middle of the We'll get to them in a sometimes. second. We will get to right. the All Blacks in a second. But Australia doing well. Hodge, um, another performance. What did you think? Mate, the new Mortlock. Yeah. Uh, he really makes me think of Sterling Mortlock. I don't know if Mortlock. he's as crazy as Sterling Mortlock. I don't, I don't know. I don't know that well. <laughs> but it, it, just the, what, the straight running. Um, you know, and really hitting the line hard and coming off the shoulder of Foley and running with Folau. He made me think of Mortlock and had another great game. Yeah. Really got involved. Foley too, uh, close to the line again, under heat. Beautiful hands. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. hands. And that was the, that set up uh, the last try of the Kurandrani. But Kurandrani made that try at the end of the game. It looks spectacular with the go-go gadget arms. So much harder than it should have been, Ben. Because well, Falau was off Falau his shoulder. Falau was off his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. And if you go back in that movement a little bit, um, one of the runners shot up because Falau was lurking. Yeah. And this is where Falau's a lethal weapon. He, he just has to be near the ball, but he should have scored the try easily. Yeah. Now, a couple of points to make around that and a few of the players in the game for Australia. Uh, Checker went in with a 6-2 bench, right? Which probably proved a little bit fortunate when Coleman went out early. And incidentally, Coleman's gone for the yes, spring tour. Yeah. He's not coming back. Big blow because him and Arnold were getting a nice combo yes. going there. And Coleman's been calling, calling the line out since it started to improve. The 6-2 bench meant that, uh, to be honest, Kurandrani, and a shout-out to one of our commenters, uh, Andrew Nevert, a good mate of mine, who was into it saying Kurandrani had a stinker. 
he actually did have a bit of a stinker. And if he didn't have a 6-2 bench, you may well have pulled him before the end of the game because he was he, he missed tackles on Hogg and on Jones that led to the, both of the yeah. Scotland tries or almost missed a, t- a tackle on Hogg. He got, uh, he got past him well and truly, but he hung on a little bit. Yeah. Um, twice I saw him, I'm not sure about his right to left passing, left passing. Twice the Australian movement was on and he, he fumbled the pass mm. going right to left and he didn't really have a happy game. I'm going to bang on it about it some more, but fall out of 13, I'm still going to talk about it. No, I think you're right. And I think, look, they have got to be thinking about it. You know, they, they've, they've got Kieran Drani there. Don't forget, Stephen Larkham's the attack coach, the backs coach, and uh, Kieran Drani, a Brumbies player. He's a big fan of his, so I think he'd be giving him every chance. But it's got to be soon. It's got to be soon with Falau in the 13. Yeah. Now, the only thing that, you know... What about Will Genia? Will Genia, again, like, we need him. Like, we need him there. Uh, Fibs is great, but we need him there. Right, so Fibs isn't great. I say he isn't great, but he's solid, right? He's solid, but Genia adds, adds more. All right. Okay, so Australia are now off to France, so the Grand Slam sort of takes a bit of a, a breather in a way for the home nations. Yeah. And uh, the French team uh, had a big win over Samoa, um, but uh, they picked up a lot of injuries, mm. key injuries. The French, the French are disappointing in the last few years, you know. They used to be this wonderful last enigmatic... Last few years? Yeah, they've, they've been struggling, mate. They, they, they used to be this enigma, enigmatic beast that you thought they're going to turn up and play anyone on their day, and we still see a bit of that, but they, they just aren't there as much as they used to be, and you don't expect them to be the force that you'd be as, as afraid of. Right. They still might give you a good run for your money, but I don't think they're as powerful as they have been in the past. No, but I think, uh, look out Australia, this, uh, this is a massively... Massive danger game. I, I still believe the 65% chance is there. Uh, and if you look at the games, the Wales, yeah, good win. Lucky to get away with the one in Scotland. So uh, I think uh, 65 still holds firm. Well, yeah, and I think uh, the reason it probably does is, um, and we saw this in the game against Scotland, the inconsistency of the Wallabies. Right? Mm, yeah. and, and I think they, they just, they, I, I still think what they fail to do is they fail to adapt to a game's conditions. Like when Wales were, were, were poor and the Wallabies could play the style of game they wanted. They this is what like Ireland does. Ireland against the All Blacks mixed their game up beautifully, changed it up, let's move here, let's move to that. They read the game and they changed the tempo and the pace of it. The Wallabies seem to have the one gear they want to play. The Czechers always said, we'll play our game. Yeah. And I still think it, it's, it, it cruels them sometimes. Mark Ellis sat here and talked about when he was a 5'8". And he used to know sometimes, shut it down, boys. We're not playing the running game right now. It's not working for us. You've got to assess, get back yeah. in the forwards, right? Get back in the forwards. And you've got to show, show true respect for the opposition because they're going to force you to change things. Yeah. You know, they might have an umbrella defence. You know, they might have a rush-up defence that really uh, hurts you in midfield. Yeah. So you're going to make changes for that. And you might not have the players that can hit outside runners at a distance, like a Stephen Larkham out for 30, 40 metres. Mm-hmm. And, and you might have a short passing game. So those defences change. So you can't play the game that you want every single time. And this is this I, I say it every couple of weeks, but I'm banging on about it again. Australia needs to be able to come up with not just uh, proactive, but reactionary policies in a game. Yeah. Play the game segments at a time, uh, then get back on track. Because it will. The game will come, ebb and flow in your favour. And, and I couldn't agree with you more. And that's why I think there's trouble brewing to finish off the Grand Slam. Ireland and England both are going to be teams who can control the ball and the game better than Australia can right now. Eddie will already have the game plan set out for all the games, but for Australia, he'll have a game plan already um, ticked off, and he would have watched a couple of the games by Australia so far, and it'll either you know um, underline what he's thinking 
or he might tweak it a little bit, but Eddie, Eddie will be ready to go. All right, so uh, Australia getting a, a very narrow victory by the barest of mar margins. Luckily, Kurandrani scored uh, close to the post, so uh, Bernard Foley could convert. And he beat both Jones and Hogg, who beat him previously on that run. But but Foley, very good with the hands again, and that was so good, close to the line. Yeah. So Australia victorious. Well done, Australia. Uh, they keep their Grand Slam hopes alive. New Zealand, wow. We said it last week, look out... Italy on the rebound. Now, it's not exactly the same team. A lot of changes to the New Zealand side and a lot of blokes put their hands up. It was absolutely an annihilation over these guys. It was, and look, to be honest, it probably felt like a bit of a training run. I mean, uh, Hanson mixed it up, put a few guys out there. Some really nice things in there him for in that team, seeing uh, Luatua uh, at eight getting a run. Uh, Rike Ione um, scoring a try on debut and my goodness get used to that name I think we're going to hear more about him in the future of course we've spoken about him in the past but really the, the major point of the game for me was probably if I was Hanson up in the stands I, I was trying to work out which player he was regretting not picking the previous week against Ireland more and by that I mean look at the three guys who came back into the side in particular Retallick off the bench you could see straight away God, they're going to want him back against Ireland. Um, big hard man playing the ball in the middle of the field. Looks like Frankenstein's monster without the bolts and just big scary dude. Uh, Israel Dag, that second fullback uh, on, the, on the wing, uh, makes all the difference. They can't play Sevilla and Naholo, I think. The two big guys without losing a fair bit. That ball handling, good kick of Dag makes a world of difference. And one of my favourite players uh, already with a very short test career, Anton Lennart-Brown. Wow. How good was he? And I think if you're Hanson, you look back at that Ireland game and think, if I'd have kept Dag and Anton London Brown in there, I might have flipped that game entirely. Um, was it disrespectful to leave so many guys out against the Irish? Maybe a little bit. We had this discussion on YouTube and Facebook with some of the guys. In hindsight, the wrong decision. But I don't know really how much you're going to get out of a 68-point flogging of Italy that's going to influence the team that he picks for uh, Ireland this week except to reinforce that the guys that he, that he was picking prior to that, the Leonard Browns, the Dags and the Retallics, are very important to him. Both very similar preparations for Ireland and New Zealand because Ireland had Canada and had a pretty thumping victory there and a lot of their uh, second string players were playing in that game as well. I mean, it's hard to talk about the All Blacks as second string, but, you know, some of the, the handling was great. So I actually think um, the heat is still on. And uh, if, you, if you listen to the commentary afterwards uh, from the players, um, they, they are dead set putting the pressure on. And I think uh, if you look at a couple of points, one of the most impressive performances, and you look across the board, the ball in the hands, the different styles of the tries that were scored, but the forward pack of the New Zealanders just with subtle hands, ball through the hands. Wyatt Crockett, produce some of the best subtle ball play you'll ever see. And there was a funny grin. You could just see this little sly grin, and I don't think you wanted to let it out from Steve Hansen uh, when he set up one of the tries. It was a long-range try. Um, I think Hansen thought, oh, that's, that's just yeah. crap. No way, that shouldn't happen. Yeah. But it did. But they were just sublime, and they were... The, some of it was deep, but a lot of it was right at the line. Yeah. And, and these, these forwards from New Zealand continue to do that. So it was really good to see. They had a blowout. They needed to do it. Uh, final score, 68 points to 10. Absolutely um, thrashed Italy. We knew it was going to happen, um, but did they put enough pressure on to, to replace other players? But, but seeing uh, the work that Antoinette Brown does in the centres as an unselfish player who sets up his teammates... 
to me, he is just a superstar. Yeah, and, and the vision, the handling, and, and the way that he does provide that ball, uh, really, really, really great stuff. Uh, now, the, the only guy in there, and I think you're right, and I said that, you know, whether there was enough in there to put pressure on. Mm. You think White Crockett's probably got to be putting a bit of that pressure on? Um, both of, the, both of the, the props for the All Blacks have been solid, if unspectacular, or probably a fair bit this year, and, and probably even a, a few times both of them uh, have had issues in, in terms of giving away penalties. So uh, maybe White Crockett, who uh, I think scored a try and had a, had a lovely game, and particularly when Retallick gave him a little short ball, put him into a gap, uh, and then they, and they put uh, Anton Leonard Brown away for the try. Um, uh, maybe there was something in that. Oh, I think you're right. Uh, he's, a, he's an amazing player, and uh, you don't lose anything in terms yeah. of experience. I mean, wow, what a player. And uh, <laughs> he was just so skillful in the day. And you've got to put your hand up. Those players know that they have to perform, and... and Otherwise, why would the coach bother turning up and watching the game? He was there taking yeah. notes. And, there, and even if you look beyond this game, there's so many more players that will make an impact for the All Blacks. But it was a tremendous game. And I just love the way that a lot of the tries are very different from the All Blacks. And this is the thing, and it's a point you made a couple of, uh, about a month or so ago when the Australians were playing and looked like they were conceding when they were going to the breakdown, like mm. sort of um, soft running and yeah. um, being sort of uh, conceding their possession or conceding the breakdown, basically, in the tackle. Uh, there was none of that in the All Blacks. Their drive-through contact was phenomenal. So the, the Italians were just caught on the back foot all the time because yeah. this is relentless. You know, an All Black would take the ball to the line and through the line, just powerfully through the line. Yeah, and I'll tell you, just as a side note to that, I think maybe one thing that Hanson might also be looking for, we know that he's, as a coach he's done a great job along with Henry and the guys of more forward planning and we talked about bringing those players in to give them a go against Ireland as a, as a tactic about next year as much as it is about the game they're playing. One thing he might be on the lookout for, and this might be a bit controversial for our uh, NZ watchers, is the next captain, right? And it wouldn't surprise me if... You know, the absence of Kieran Reid, you're looking at who those leaders are that are going to send up. A lot of, lot of chat around Sam Kane and, and how he yeah. might be the guy stepped in that breach. Gee, he spoke well after the game. He did, because there was plenty of talk, and I asked the question our last about Reid's game, and there was plenty of talk from people saying that Reid went missing uh, last week. And just when they were looking for that leadership and that capacity for someone to say, boys, this isn't working, let's keep our heads, let's point them right, that Reid didn't quite get his hands around it. So some of the some of the uh, commentators have thought, well, you know, we'll see Reed fire back this week, and the Kiwis will be hoping that he does. But I tell you what, he'll want to make sure that he can keep this together because they'll be fairly ruthless, I think, about making sure they've got the right team heading into next year. And of course, uh, there are even more players that are putting pressure on through the uh, uh, the Maori All Blacks. And what a game! So Munster, they did it again. <laughs> In terms of an All Black side, the Maori All Blacks say they, they won a game. Uh, against them that was absolutely tinged with uh, sadness but I think a lot of um, cheer as well because people were so happy with the way that uh, the performance of the Harker by the uh, Maori All Blacks laid down presented the, the jersey, the jersey yep. with uh, Anthony Foley's initials uh, to be uh, given to his children and uh, you know I think I looked a couple of minutes ago we're recording on Monday night and it had 4 million views on the All Blacks Facebook oh. page so this is just wonderful stuff, and you just got to put your take your hat off to the, uh, the the All Blacks and the New Zealanders for the way they just treat the game with such respect, you know. And this is what our show's about, you know. You know, we can fire up about certain issues, but there's always a line of respect, or, or, or we're coming to it 
from a respectful attitude. And to me, the All Blacks have that in absolute buckets full. And it was tremendous to see, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was nice. And just a, a beautiful storyline, you know, Munster playing, playing uh, the Maori side, um, the, the tribute to Foley and the win for Munster, you know, uh, one for the ages. Absolutely. So uh, just great stuff to see. Um, uh, in terms of other results, just quickly, the Canadian side uh, put up a bit of a fight, but absolutely trounced and some really good efforts uh, by the second uh, string players or the, uh, let's say, the, not the top line choice for Ireland. But uh, I thought it was a pretty good hit out and uh, I think they'll be ready to go against the meets the All Blacks this week. Yeah, and what a big game. Um, really looking forward to the games this weekend. Australia-France, you know, clearly going to be a, you know, a cracking game with two teams that, that both need to prove themselves a little bit. But uh, Ireland, who've had they, you know, completely new 15, uh, who took on um, uh, Canada in their game. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, Schmidt playing a very canny coach's approach to that. Uh, now rolling out his preferred A-team this week. Saw a bit last week, and I think I, I did quite like the structure of the All Blacks and Ireland playing two weeks apart yep. and each playing, uh, a, and well, a, you know, not a minnow with Italy, but a lesser team in the middle. Yep. It gave them a chance to, to play a different team and to try a few guys out. It gives those other nations a chance to step up. I think that the, the big nations have to do more for the lower-level nations, and I quite like that structure of that two-week break. Great segue, because uh, the highlight for me was when I posted on our Facebook page, Germany 24 beating Uruguay 21. Big game. And that's a huge result. And you know what, um, Ben, when I looked at the statistics of our show way back when we started in the audio podcast, Germany always had, a, you know, it wasn't big, but there was always a nice little slab of uh, listeners and now viewers out of Germany. So uh, well done, Germany. Great result and uh, good to see them, because that's a big scalp. It is, it is. Massive scalp. We're talking tier two rugby, but it all counts. So, you know, it's getting closer to the world game, which soccer or football has uh, in, uh, in control right now. So, with only a couple of minutes to go, let's move on to the strike viewer comments. As usual, Ben, heaps of them. Go through them. Plenty of them, guys. Love it when you comment. We've had a couple of people that have a crack at me this week too, but we sorted our differences out, which I like. Uh, firstly, I want to welcome a couple of new Irish fans. We had a few coming onto the show after our analysis of Ireland All Blacks last week. Gerald Williamson on Facebook, Sean Doran, Brendan77132, and Ted in America on YouTube. Welcome. Welcome to the Irish guys. A special shout-out to Cody Reddy, who's a Kiwi living in Ireland. He said he's had a tough week or two after the, uh, after the game. Lars Person, who reminded us Sweden also beat Luxembourg last week in a big oh, match. Oh, yes. And uh, Lars said he's going to be at the Dublin game, and he's going to share some of the atmosphere with us on our Facebook page. So I look forward <laughs> to that, Lars. Good comments this week, just a bit of a list. Bill Rogers, Jay Kelly, Kiwi Carl1977. This is across YouTube and Facebook. Les James, John Smythe, SMC014 for the haircut compliments on YouTube. Thank you, mate. Uh, super He's got a bit of a way to go. <laughs> super hoary guy. Uh, Hawani253, who watches us with his co-workers and said that we're one of the least biased shows out there and he loves that. Fantastic. Tony Ants Hunt and his brothers. He's got all five of his brothers watching, so... Big shout out to the family. Wow. <laughs> and finally, the comment of the week, uh, and it was good because it helped shape the start of our show, but Shifty Zim, Zim was the first one I saw. Shifty. Shifty's great, plenty of uh, smart comments. Shifty highlighted that England could run through to the world record and never face NZ. Um, so Shifty, thanks for that, and he's dead right. I don't think they can do it. I think consistency is so hard to string to many that many games when you're gonna face the Islands and the Wallabies and the, you know, uh, of the world but you never know. 
I'm sure Eddie Jones will find out and write it down. Ben Kimber says, I don't think we can do it. So, uh, But also, so Shifty wins our book this week too, Behind the Silver Fern. Are you still giving them away? I'm still giving them away. Does Tony know about this? Tony knows. I'm giving them away, Tony. <laughs> Another book going out there for uh, for Shifty, Behind the Silver Fern. You'll have Fern. to call some more games over there, Tony, because <laughs> you'll need to earn some. Oh, I can't believe it. Hey, Ben, good to see you, mate. You too, mate. And once again, uh, to our New Zealand friends, stay safe. Uh, let's hope there's no uh, more follow-up with aftershocks in New Zealand. And uh, we wish you the very best. But until next week, enjoy your rugby. And we'll look with great interest to see what happens with the All Blacks in Ireland. And of course, the Wallabies, England and all the other teams. Enjoy your rugby.